Hi, folks. This is Andrew Stelzer. If you get our program through iTunes, please go there and rate us so that other people can find the show. And if you're on our website, radioproject.org, please click on the donate button so that you can support this work and help us keep making great shows like this one. All right. Thanks. Here's the show. Making contact. Making contact. This week on Making Contact. If we had been um, a straight couple, then I would have gotten her Social Security. As it was, I lost, I, I didn't get anything. Studies show that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer seniors are much more likely than their straight counterparts to be alone and isolated as they age. Housing and support for these elders is a growing need, and the issue is not just confined to the United States. From a government's perspective, they are confused about whether to put them in the male or female older people's home. On this edition, we'll visit Jakarta, Indonesia, and Los Angeles, California, to hear stories of building housing and community for LGBTQ seniors. I'm Jen Chian, and this is Making Contact, a program connecting people, vital ideas, and important information. In recent years, much progress has been made in the fight for the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. You can see a lot of this shift reflected in popular media. All this marriage equality news is so exciting. New York. It's going to be insane. Isabel's already consulting on like seven different gay weddings. It's historic. From TV shows like Glee and Ellen... So, uh, you know, on my show, what I like to do is I like to promote kindness and equal rights, and I don't like labels, and I don't see color. I'm like a cocker spaniel in that way. To pop stars like Frank Ocean, Scissor Sisters, and Lady Gaga. Let's have a kiki. But there's something missing from pop culture's portrayal of the LGBTQ community. With all the shiny young faces on display, LGBTQ elders have been relegated to the sidelines. Many of the cultural and political gains we see today are due to the efforts of a generation that's now aging, often in isolation and obscurity. According to research, LGBTQ elders are twice as likely to be single and four times as likely to be childless than their heterosexual counterparts. For those that are partnered, legal discrimination can mean difficulty accessing partner benefits. And many queer elders do not have good relationships with their families of origin. So as they age, lifelines of support and care can dwindle. Fear of homophobia, discrimination, or abuse can lead many LGBTQ elders to stay isolated, even as they face difficulties with health care and with housing. 
very often LGBT older adults find that they are not welcome in so-called mainstream aging programs, and so they don't have the sense of community that often comes with group-based social services. We also know, unfortunately, that even within the LGBT community itself, um, older people often feel isolated and don't find the sense of community that they need. Michael Adams, executive director of SAGE, Services and Advocacy for GLBT Elders, spoke in 2011 at the nation's first summit on LGBTQ housing issues. We know that, in general, LGBT older folks um, face particular challenges, and, and, and we, could, we can lump those challenges into three general areas in terms of, of stigma, being disconnected from traditional family structures, and in terms of unequal treatment under the law. What, what all of those factors build toward is, in many cases, um, particularly heightened sense of an experience of isolation among LGBT older people, um, which heightens the importance of community and place. So for, for LGBT elders, it's fair to say that that welcoming and supportive housing is, is not just a luxury, it's in fact a necessity. And it goes beyond the particulars of housing and a roof over one's head into what's important in terms of providing community for many people who, as they age, are, are really uh, are, find that in very, in very short supply. Awareness of the need for affordable and culturally competent care is growing, with housing developments for LGBTQ elders in the works in multiple cities. We go now to Los Angeles, where in 2007, a nonprofit called Gay and Lesbian Elder Housing built the nation's first affordable housing development for LGBTQ seniors. It's called Triangle Square. Reporter Lena Nozizwe visited the five-story apartment complex, and she brings us this story. Hello. Rosie. It's snack time for Rosie, and to the casual observer, this domestic scene between a doting cat owner and her fat and furry feline is nothing more than ordinary. Only the blonde-haired woman with a twinkle in her eye and cat food in her hand believes it's more like a miracle. My name is Alice Hope Herman. I'm 77 years old. I lived with my partner, Sylvia, for 45 years. She died three months, almost to the day, before I found my home here at Triangle Square. Triangle Square in Hollywood, California, is the country's first affordable housing complex designed specifically with lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, or LGBT, seniors in mind. It was built in 2007, just a couple of blocks away from the fabled intersection of Hollywood and Vine. The 10-year waiting list to get a spot at Triangle Square is not surprising, considering that there are an estimated 3 million LGBT seniors 65 years or older in the United States. That number is expected to grow by another million by 2030, numbers that only highlight the need for places like Triangle Square. That's Sylvia when she was younger. Very Audrey Hepburn. Triangle Square is not at all where she imagined that she would end up back in the mid-60s, when an uptown Alice began a relationship with a downtown Sylvia in New York City. When Sylvia and I started out, she had pretty much grown up in, from the time she was around 17 in Greenwich Village. 
machine, knew the bar scene. She used to go out with the guys in the mafia. I thought, I didn't know there were gay people in Greenwich Village. I didn't know what a gay person was. I was married, I got married, okay? And I married my high school sweetheart. And two years after we were married, I realized I was gay, and, but I didn't know what it meant. So I was, um, I was what they called uptown, because I was going to college. I went to libraries. Sylvia went to after hours clubs and bars. I mean, the two completely different worlds. I gave her what she needed, which was stability. To her, I was like a rock. To me, she was like a cloud. The cloud spent a lifetime ascending in the business world and became a successful chief financial officer in the garment district, while the rock, Alice, was a teacher and then a social worker. She says they were successful enough that after 40-plus years together, they managed to put $500,000 in the bank, and she says they created a beautiful home in L.A.'s San Fernando Valley. But then in 2007, Sylvia fainted in their home and was hospitalized. And what she would ever say to me is, Alice, just let me come home, please. I just want to come home. This couple, who had already been together in sickness and in health, got married by a rabbi in the hospital. Days later, Sylvia died. If we had been um, a straight couple, then I would have gotten her Social Security, which I guess it was more than twice as much as mine, uh, which is what you get when you're a straight couple. The partner gets the higher of the two checks. As it was, I lost, I didn't get anything. Hospital bills decimated their savings. Alice was forced to leave the home they shared and given her age and income, it was difficult to find housing. But then through word of mouth, she found out about Triangle Square, and it was exactly what she was looking for. She says it's safe, affordable, and allows her to keep the cats, including Rosie, that she once shared with her beloved Sylvia. My birth name is Wayne, and I go under Miss Rosie. I am transgender, and I live at Triangle Square, and I am 72 years old. Another Rosie, more specifically Miss Rosie, also found shelter at Triangle Square. It was not the death of a partner, but intolerant neighbors who brought Miss Rosie to Triangle Square, also in 2007. The transgender senior got tired of sneering neighbors. I lived over... Uh, near Gower and Hollett and Sunset. And I was there for 30 years. But uh, when I'd go get dressed up in my, in my apartment and walk down the hall, I'd get looks and sneered at and everything. And, you know, it just, it just made me feel uncomfortable. Once she moved into Triangle Square, she immediately felt at home. Her one-bedroom apartment is now complete with enough wigs to make Dolly Parton envious. Uh, right here is my uh, little short one here. That uh, that's, that's my Susan Boyle look. <laughs> and there are his and hers closets. One female closet and one male closet. I have a hard enough time with just a female closet. <laughs> the kind of acceptance Miss Rosie has found at Triangle Square, no matter what she wears, has been a long time coming. That was not the case where she grew up in Indiana. 
when I was a child, I used to dress up in my mom's clothes up in the attic. And uh, sometimes I'd get punished by my parents and then I would get mad and I said, well, I want to run away home from at to become a woman, you know, and disappear as a man. As it turns out, she grew up and ran away to the military. She didn't have the Susan Boyle wig back then, so it was with a mop on her head that she impersonated a woman during an Army talent show, and she won. In 1964, after five years of military service, Miss Rosie decided to make the full transition to living as a woman after a visit to a bar. I was telling the, the barmaid about the situation I did in the Army. She said, come over to my house and I'll dress you up. And when she dressed me up with the real makeup, real hair, the whole works, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, oh my God, this is really me. I thought I was just an ordinary homosexual or queer at that time. I did not even know the word what gay was, you know, and uh, or transgender or anything like that. Miss Rosie says there weren't many jobs in the 60s for a newly minted woman, and that's what she says led her to the streets of San Francisco. In this dirty old part of the city. And when I was doing this, while I was going through the transitioning, I had no job, and I was a prostitute back in the 60s. And guys that I'd pick up thinking I'm a real woman. Now, my girl, you're so young and pretty. And then when they get down to the nitty-gritty, they would find out that uh, I'm a man, and I've had guns on me, I've had knives pulled on me. It's a wonder I'm still alive today. She survived San Francisco and then Los Angeles until she says she quit prostitution after a police beating during a bust. In 2001, she would face another serious threat to her life, HIV. If I take three, four, five, six, seven, eight pills per day at one time in the mornings. And just as Miss Rosie survived the streets, she says she will survive HIV. I am not going to let HIV or anything to stop me from doing anything that I want to do. As many as a third of the apartments at Triangle Square are devoted to seniors who are HIV positive. Because of their health status, those seniors get preferential treatment when they apply to be residents. The nonprofit Gay and Lesbian Elder Housing, or GLEH, runs Triangle Square and provides other services there, including nutrition guidance, financial planning, and recreational activities. I'm given activities that based in community, we go to the theater, we go wherever, go to museums and to Chinatown or, or wherever, or to the beach, you know. And it's, you've, a person has to have a link so that their mind stays alive. The link to life on this night is a gathering of Triangle Square residents, supporters, and administrators. Welcome, everybody. Um, the event is focused on fundraising, but it is also an opportunity for Eric Harrison, the executive director of GLEH, to celebrate the pioneering success of Triangle Square. You know, we have had such a tremendous amount of support this past year. Resident Alice Herman shows just how important Triangle Square is to her as she mixes and mingles with the fundraising crowd and tries her luck at the community room's pool table. 
you get it in? <laughs> These places are needed. It's, it's hard to get old in many ways. It's more difficult to be old and gay, especially when you've lived a life where you've been hurt because you were gay, where you've been frowned on or heard or beat up or arrested. Look at the things that have happened to people. At least here they can walk through the halls and know they're safe. This is a beautiful place, just a beautiful place to be, you know. Ms. Rosie, who's lived through arrest and beating, says she never wants to leave this safety zone. And this, I'm hoping that this will be the last place I ever be, because I love this place. I get to tell my story over and over again. When you get to be my age, or maybe even when you're younger, you've got a history, you've got a life. The one person you shared your history with is no longer there. What happens to the history? What happens to the life I had? How does it stay alive if it's only inside me, in my head? Here I get to tell my story. Alice and Miss Rosie are sharing their histories in a place that's making history of its own. For Making Contact, I'm Lennon Way. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear about a unique housing project for transgender seniors in Jakarta, Indonesia. If you'd like more information or for a CD copy of this program, please call 510-251-1332, extension 108. That's 510-251-1332, extension 108. Because of generous donations from listeners like you, this show is distributed for free to radio stations in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and South Africa. To find out how to donate, download shows, or to get our podcast, go to radioproject.org. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore content. You're listening to Making Contact. I'm Jen Chien. We'll head now to Indonesia, where just as in the U.S., LGBTQ elders face unique challenges as they age. Traditionally, elderly people in Indonesia are cared for by their families, but that's not the case for the country's large transgender community. They're often rejected by their family members, and many elderly transgender people who used to survive as prostitutes end up begging on the streets. In response, a group of women decided to take action and are building a home specifically for elderly transgender residents. From Jakarta, Rebecca Henschke reports. This story was originally broadcast on Free Speech Radio News. We're walking down a dirt road up to a very small pink house at the end of the alleyway. It's a very suburban part of Jakarta, on the outskirts of the city. There are chickens running around and children playing, and it's a very dusty road. 
It's here that Indonesia's first old people's home for transgender people, or waria as they're known in Indonesia, is being built. In the doorway, two elderly transgender women whose teeth are missing call out good morning. Inside, Juliana Sretablaut is looking into a mirror while a friend is going through the daily ritual of applying her heavy makeup. Thick white foundation, fake eyelashes, bright red lipstick, and a long black wig that is tied into a bun at the back. I realized that I was a transgender person when I was in grade 5 at school. I lived in a village and in an isolated area on the island of Papua. There was no one there that was transgender or gay. But suddenly, I started feeling attracted to men when I was around 11 years old. I thought, what is this feeling? Is it an illness? It was not till I was 18 years old when a friend at university, who was also transgender, took me to Jakarta to the prostitution beat for Varia, that I realized that there was this whole other world that existed. I was so confused. There were so many people like me dressed up so beautifully. How did you feel when you realized you were not alone? I felt like weight had been lifted from me because I saw that if we wear beautiful clothes and got makeup, you could easily attract guys and be paid money for it. So you get satisfied, get to be beautiful, and you earn money. Transgender people in Indonesia find it hard to find jobs. And 17-year-old Yuli ended up doing what many other warriors do, working as a prostitute on the streets, a world she says was harsh and violent. She says she was regularly abused and not paid by customers and they had to run away from the police or Islamic vigilante groups that tried to beat them. It was during this time that she heard her parents had died. I didn't go home for the funeral because my family hated me. They said because of what I had done, my parents had died. My brother is a policeman. He was very angry and he wanted to shoot me because he said I had shamed my family. They said, in our family, we have never had anyone like you. How could you turn out like this? Because my family had high hopes for me because I got very good grades all through school. Your brother was really prepared to shoot you? Yes, he's put a pistol to my head and he wanted to shoot. They shaved my head but I managed to run away back to Jakarta. I really hated myself at that time and I decided that I would spend the rest of my life showing the world and particularly my family that even though I'm transgender, I can do good and they would be proud of me. She went on to be the first warrior to gain a law degree at a leading Islamic university and is now doing her master's in law. She's now a high-profile leader of Indonesia's large transgender community who fondly call her Mama Yuli. As a mother to the community, she decided she needed to do something to support greying warrior, rejected by their family and society. People will feel 
As they get older, people become even more scared of Varya. We can't sell ourselves in the same way young Varya can. From a government's perspective, they are confused about whether to put them in the male or female older people's home, and the families certainly do not want to look after them. So I see many of them struggling, begging on the streets, living under bridges. I really feel sad seeing them like that. Aku sedih melihat mereka seperti itu dan penanganan. And no one is paying attention to this issue, and my house was not big enough to house many. Yang jelas. So she's now renovating her two-bedroom house that also doubles as a beauty salon. Yuli takes me out the back of the house where building is taking place. A second floor is being put on, and the bathroom is being extended. She already has a waiting list of 800 waria who want to move in. At the moment, the house is home to three elderly waria. Photos of them as young, beautiful models line the walls, and cabinets are full of their beauty pageant trophies. Yoti Maya is nearly 70 years old and has lost all her teeth. She was disowned by her family when she was a teenager. Ibu buka pintu ada lelaki dalam waktu lagi perlu-perlukan. Ibu tu nggak mau ribut bilang ke ayah saya. My mother opened my door and found me in bed cuddling with a man. And she told my dad, and he called all my family together and said, I don't want this in my family, so you must leave the house now. If you lived or died, I don't care. You just have to get out of the house. I was just a teenager, and they threw me out of the house at night with nothing but the clothes I was wearing. I was crying. I was young, and I didn't have a job. But I accepted my fate. Yoti says she eventually found work as a chef on ships and has travelled across Asia. She's now the cook for the nursing home. The home also holds training sessions for elderly transgender people, so they can get skills to live independently. Hello, nama saya Mbak Sri. Seventy-three-year-old Mbak Sri teaches sewing and warns the younger warrior that they can't live off their looks forever. I tell them all young warrior need to get formal education in their chosen field. No one else is going to be looking after us. We need to create our own profession and provide for ourselves. Sri says the three of them, despite their age, remain young at heart. <laughs> She jokes that Yoti Maya has four boyfriends, and they hold a weekly karaoke night where the elderly warrior take turns performing their favorite tracks. Yuli's positive contributions to the community are making an impact beyond the transgender community. Recently, her brother, who had threatened to shoot her, visited the old people's home. He did not come in. But just walked around and he started to cry. He said, "I never thought you would change and become a good person. It doesn't matter that you are a warrior, but you have become a role model for your community, and you are providing a home for those in your community in need. Our family is very proud of you." He said. We couldn't accept you as a prostitute, but you have become a good person. He said that the past was the past, but as a brother, I'm very proud of you. A few days later, I had my law graduation, and he came along. He couldn't say anything at the celebration. 
he couldn't speak because he was just crying not long after that he died i went to his funeral and he had left me a message that i must continue to to be a good person aku harus jadi orang baik Yuli, Yoti and Shri continue their efforts to support aging transgender people and recently they received a grant from the Indonesian government so that they could complete the first floor of the old people's home. In Jakarta, Indonesia, I'm Rebecca Henschke. And that's it for this edition of Making Contact. Special thanks to our friends at Free Speech Radio News for that last story. For a CD copy of this program, call the National Radio Project at 510-251-1332, extension 108, or check out our website, radioproject.org, to get a podcast, download past shows, or make a difference by supporting our work. Like Making Contact on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. Lisa Rudman is our executive director, Andrew Stelzer and George Lavender producers, Irene Flores web editor, Juanita Carol Young development manager, Lisa Bartfai, Salima Hamarani, Bonsi Meta and Federica Villalobos interns, and Dorian Roberts, Dan Turner and Barbara Barnett volunteers. I'm Jen Chien. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. Thank you.